and welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by The Score. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined in studio to discuss the latest twist and turn in the Wizard Saga by uh, Jessica Sharo. What's going on, man? I've been uh, doing vocal exercises out there, getting ready for this one. And uh, Joe Wolfon. What up? Okay, so for anyone who hasn't followed along, the Wizards have, uh, you know, sort of been a disaster kind of all year. Uh, they look to be briefly turning things around after they had a three-game win streak over some very inferior competition. Uh, but then, right after the three-game win streak, they had a practice, and apparently all hell broke loose at the practice. Um, according to Candace Buckner, uh, Bradley Beal and Austin Rivers got into a spat over a no-call in practice. I, I don't know how you can complain that much about a no-call in practice. Um, John Wall and Jeff Green exchanged words, and then Scott Brooks tried to intervene between Wall and Green, and Wall turned the F off, and then he got fined for doing that to the coach, which is interesting because Kelly Oubre also called Scott Brooks a mother effer, and uh, this was during a game, and it was captured on film. Was not fine for that. Actually, Oubre was just dealt with after the game. Very strange. Um, you know, Beal apparently complained that, you know, he's been dealing with this for about seven years and told Ernie Grunfeld that it starts at the top. This is, again, very audibly uh, challenging the GM uh, and I guess you know maybe even ownership uh, during this very heated Thursday practice and then shortly thereafter a report comes out on uh, Tuesday from Adrian Rojnarowski that said that uh, you know every player including Wall and Beal are available for trade and uh, that uh, you know Porter and Uber have fetched very little in value and basically you know things are not going well for the Wizards who are still dead last in defense um, and uh, so and they're, of course, they're bickering more than ever. So, Cash, I'll start with you. Can they fix this, or is this irreparably broken? No, they can't fix this. They could not have fixed it before the season had started and they had played a single game. They're not good, guys. Mm. They're not good. They're not good enough. Even functioning together, they're not good enough, and it's time people realize that. I think we got to hand it to the Wizards, man. They see all this dysfunction going on in the Bay, and they just, like, they could not be upstaged. Like, literally a week after all this stuff breaks in Golden State, um, the, you know, the one-upsmanship is truly impressive. Fixing it for Washington, I think, probably looks like something close to a complete teardown. And I know Cash will agree when I say, like, that probably has to start with the front office. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen this year, but I think... You know, we talked about this a couple weeks back, and I said, like, probably the worst outcome for the Wizards and their fans would be if they tried to move off of John Wall, found they couldn't do it because the contract was prohibitive, and then decided to trade Beal instead. And if that happens, then I just think, like, there's no hope for them. Because if they, if they resign themselves to being tethered to that John Wall contract, and they don't have Beal, who in my mind is already their best player... He's also only 25 years old. He's, you know, under contract for another two years after this one at a pretty reasonable rate. Then I, I just, I don't see where they go from here because they're still basically going to be in cap hell and they're just not going to have enough talent to actually build around. Like, I think if they trade both Wall and Beal, like, they probably can bring back, like, some decent assets have like an earnest tank this season get a high draft pick and like start over from scratch have an ernie tank yeah yeah that's right but they, this is the thing is like the obvious answer here is i need to completely tear this thing down 
Like strip it to the bones and start fresh. The problem is you need to do something at the top to begin with because there's like there is no way that this organization and Ted Leonsis can entrust that teardown to Ernie Grunfeld. I mean, like, he just it's might. One thing to, it's one thing to joke <laughs> around about the fact that the guy can't build a winner and like whatever, but like, why would you even trust the teardown to him? Well, I mean, look, here's the thing. Before we move into this idea of a teardown, I think these reports are very interesting because it almost feels less like they're signaling they're going to tear it all down, and it sounds more like a motivational tactic. Like this is something you leak to the the press um, if you want basically the whole team to get a kick in the ass, right? Because it's like everyone's on the table that's a specific report everyone including wall and bill are on the table that doesn't really sound you could i guess you could take that one of two ways right maybe one they're really just going to tear everything down as a fire sale which is very possible or the other thing is like hey this is your last chance like everyone needs to get together come together and just play and that's, i think the yeah. the wizards do have i think enough talent that they are underperforming that talent and i think um, maybe it's not 50 wins. Maybe it's not going to the Eastern Conference Finals. But, like, there's enough talent here to be a lot better than they are. And I think this is probably um, either ownership or management's, you know, way of basically delivering that message in a stern uh, fashion before they decide to ultimately tear it down. How many times have we said about this team they have too much talent to be exactly. as bad as they currently are? Like, Cash said this at the start of the season. Like, at a certain point, you just are what you are, right? And... Like, how good can this team really be? Because what like what have we seen from them? Yeah, they got to 49 wins two years ago. They made it to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference semis. But, like, it's been trending in the wrong direction now for two years, um, both in terms of their off-court chemistry and, like, the on-court results. And I just don't think, like, they're going to get the kick in the ass that they need. Like, it just seems like it's too late. And I actually do think... If they can find a way to get, like, to, to get any kind of a decent return for John Wall, rebuilding around Beal could actually make some sense. Like, I think I don't know if he can be like the best player on a contending team, but he can absolutely be the second best player on a contending team if the right supporting cast is around him. And like, he is young enough; he can keep getting better. And they they just need like a culture shakeup, right? Like that much seems obvious. And this, yeah. This whole Wizards run has almost been, like, a test case in how much, like, personality and, like, chemistry actually matters in the NBA. And, like, there are obviously teams that are talented enough to overcome a fractured locker room. Yeah, like the Warriors. The Warriors are like the Lakers in years past. Like, there are teams that haven't particularly liked each other that have managed to get through it because they're too talented not to. And I just don't think the Wizards are good enough to actually get past the fact that they don't like playing together. And... The, the, you're just not seeing any kind of night-to-night effort. And I don't know... Yeah, there like, really is a shocking lack of effort. Like, it's almost... It's borderline unprofessional how little effort that the Wizards give on a nightly basis. And also, like, there's a lot of selfish play on this team, which they have a lot of impending free agents. Um, one stat that really struck me was after they got blown out by the Portland Trailblazers, their bench in that game, and there were, like... I'm talking about, like, Thomas Bryan and, like, you know, Thomas Sadoransky and stuff like that. The bench tallied 19 assists on 22 field goals. The starters had nine total assists for the entire starting unit. How do you have nine assists? There used to be time. There wasn't that long ago when John Wall averaged 10, 11 assists by himself. And now they can't even get nine assists as a starting unit. All right, let me tell you something about John Wall. John Wall's a fraud. Wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. And I say that with the straightest face possible. Um, John Wall's a fraud. I think that the 49-win 
Second round, uh, I mean, they made it to the second round a few times, but the 49-win season a couple of years ago that everyone like holds up is like, this team like they can do something. They took the Celtics to seven games. That was the blip on the radar. Everything else is what they are. That year was the blip on the radar. And the reason that year was the blip on the radar is because that year was the only time in his career that I've seen John Wall go balls to the wall for a whole season. And that's why it was the blip on the radar. Because you cannot count on John Wall to bring it every single night for a whole season. And I know you can say that about a lot of stars, but like John Wall to another extent. You just can't count on him night in and night out. And... Look, I, you know, I don't know if you guys saw, Richard Jefferson actually wrote something for ESPN today. And it was like very Players' Tribune-esque, and it was kind of about his career. Mm-hmm. But he talks about uh, the importance of your first few years in the NBA. And it struck me reading about it, because, you know, you think about John Wall and, like, the Wizards' tenure. But Richard Jefferson basically said, you know, your first few years dictate your career trajectory. They're your formative years in the NBA, who you're around, what you do, the work ethic that you have, your playing time, your confidence. All of it is pretty much formed by those first few years in the NBA. And you go back and look at John Wall's first two years in the NBA. And he led the Wizards in minutes both those seasons. But the guys that were like two, three, and four were Gilbert Arenas, Nick Young, and JaVale McGee. So maybe it's not all John Wall's fault, okay? Maybe this is a, um, you know, he's a victim of circumstance uh, because of a culture that seemingly Ernie Grunwell's been building there for more than a decade because this is not the first dysfunctional team he's built in Washington. It's just the first one that's dysfunctional and they're not trying to shoot each other. Um, that, that's Ernie Grunfeld's legacy. But yeah, so you, you think about like who John Wall came up with when he first came in, you know, as Richard Jefferson calls in the most formidable years of a player's career and you look at what he is now. Like, I even remember last year in the playoffs and look, I'm, I understand that you know, the way a guy carries himself off the court doesn't necessarily have to translate to on the court. And as long as he's producing on the court. But I'll never forget, down one nothing in that series to the Raptors last year, the way John Wall walked into the arena the next morning and just, like, something about the way he was carrying himself. He, like, looked all groggy. He was, like, sliding around in flip-flops. He was just kind of, like... Mm. It just, like, there was something about it where you're, like, even if you usually don't care about all the off-the-court, like, be a leader stuff, it just, like didn't look like the the look of a leader with his team down one nothing in a playoff series and I know they ended up coming back and forcing it like you know they, they sent it back to Toronto 2-2 eventually but even then I'll never forget like it was game five and you know everyone else just seemed like very intense on the morning of game five on both sides Beal the Raptors even Gortat for what it's worth and then John Wall was sitting there doing his like morning shoot around pressure and he was like yawning with shades on and again <laughs> Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it has no bearing whatsoever in performance, but like there's something mm. to it. And it's one thing if you're like that and then you're performing every night and your team, team is playing up to their capabilities. But when like that is your persona off the court and then your on-court persona very much like uh, is a personification of that, I, I just think it all ties together. And it's something I've been saying about the Wizards for so long. This like feeling of complacency or that they've made it, or that they've accomplished something when they really haven't. You could say it starts at the top with Ernie Grunfeld because he keeps being rewarded for mediocrity, but it also starts at the top of the roster with John Wall. Yeah. And that's why I say he's a fraud. Not because I think his talent is a fraud, no. He's clearly like a very talented, um, exciting player, but yeah. his the product at the end of the day is a fraud from John Wall. I think it's also concerning that, look, he's had a couple of knee operations. I mean, he had both knees operated on at one point. Um, in the in the past couple of years and if you look at the tracking data like consistently John Wall is the slowest player by average speed on the Wizards which makes no sense at all because John Wall's you know obviously his top speed is very very high I think the fact that the, it's he's slower than centers even um, like Yama Himni like that's one of the slower centers in the league he's slower than Yama Himni 
um, by average speed. I think what that speaks to is that, like, you know what? Most possessions, if you watch the Wizards, if John Wall doesn't have the ball, he's standing still. He's not moving. He's just clutching his shorts. Or even if he does have the ball, he spends like 10 seconds of possession just like dribbling in one place, telling everyone where to go, basically to space out. Then a screen comes. Then he drives towards the rim and throws up a contested layup. Like, I think his game might have deteriorated a little bit because of the injuries. And I think, you know, I think that's where the discussion of Wall's like performance really comes in because, you know, he's kind of bristled at this idea that like he kind of came into camp out of shape. We can't really be certain about that unless, you know, you're the team doctor. But I mean, also, when you see that Las Vegas picture, it's starting to make more and more sense that like, okay, all right, well, maybe, you know, um, this wasn't necessarily the most motivated season coming into uh, the year for, for John Wall. And like, you know, if you're going to trade him, there's $170 million on that contract that starts at the end of this season. Yeah. So the, Plus the, the, a 15% trade kicker. Exactly, right? So, I mean, first off, is there a destination for Wall to go to? And if, if the Wizards do trade Wall, are they going to get something of equivalent value back? Because I, I think it's interesting. I think really what you want to do with Wall is get him motivated and get him to take ownership of the team. He's not going to do that in terms of ownership of the team, but maybe he gets better and he gets mo- more motivated. And at that point, maybe that's a better time to trade him. I just think the problem with that is, like, no team that is already good is going to want to trade for him. Okay. And and I think that, like, a team that would be willing to trade for him and take on that money is a team that's going to be pretty desperate and thus, like, either mediocre or bad. And I don't know that going to that kind of a situation is the kind of thing that's, like, going to give him a kick in the pants and, like, that's true. get him to shape up. Um, and I just think, like, there, there are a lot of red flags, both in terms of his health um, his effort, like, I know, you know, whatever. I'm not going to speak on the rumors about his lifestyle uh, and how much he likes to party. But I mean, like, he's spoken on himself. He, it, I just think, at the end of the day... <laughs> he basically admitted, yeah, like, I go out. Like, yeah. It but is I, what it is. It's not that, it's not that complicated in that yeah. case. It's no I, secret. I, I just mean, it's like, even if you're just going off of what you see um, and, like, the tangible things that you hear, it's like, at a certain point... You are the longest tenured player on the team. Like you are the ostensible leader of the team. You are the guy who spends the most time with his, with the ball in his hands. Um, and at a certain point, if the culture is broken, like that's got to fall on you, right? Yeah. And I think probably we should have realized this last year when he got injured, and like the Wizards went on a nice little run. Yeah. And everybody and, eats. And, and like yeah, it, what was it? Gortat who said that? Like yeah. Gortat's hilarious, by the way. Throwing because... some not so sh- not so subtle shade. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Wall responds by saying that, like, <laughs> Gortat should just be happy that he gets spoon-fed, <laughs> like, buckets. But, uh, and, yeah, I don't know, man. I, this stuff's been out there for a while, right? Like, J.J. Yeah. Barea a few months ago said uh, that John Wall's teammates don't like him. I, I think, you know, for, for any team that is even, like, thinking about acquiring him, like, they're going to do their due diligence and probably have a lot of second thoughts even before factoring in the money that they're going to have to pay him. So... I think it's going to be really, really tough for them to move him. Um, and if you're asking, like, what kind of teams would be looking to acquire him, I think it, it's it got to be – Will, you and I, like, wrote <laughs> about yep. this. We, 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 we came it. up with some fake trades. Yeah, It's got to be a team that is basically either, like, stuck in the middle or in, like, one of the bottom tiers of the league and doesn't really have another means of getting itself yeah. out of that station. And um, so the team that you suggested was Miami. I think Miami would fit really well just for the sense that I think the Heat are really desperate for a star. They've sort of chased 
every summer to go get a guy like Gordon Hayward, like, you know, Kevin Durant and stuff like that. And, like, they kept swinging and missing. And they basically are at this point where this year is basically just a farewell tour for Dwayne Wade. There's no other real reason to watch the Heat. And then once Dwayne's gone, there really is no reason to watch the Heat. Um, And, you know, I think the Heat really pride themselves on Heat culture. And I think there's a long history of players that – you know, maybe aren't in the best of shape, go to Miami, suddenly they get into shape for one reason or the other. And, you know, John Wall could be one of those guys. And, you know, there's definitely a culture of accountability in Miami, right? It's not really a this player is here and then they set the tone. It's really the organization sets the tone. And I think that could help John Wall a lot. It kind of takes the leadership burden off of him. And basically, I think they could almost get him for free. Like, if they took on Mahimni's contract and they gave back something like Goran Dragic and James Johnson, which is not very appealing, but for the Wizards, that's about $50 million in guaranteed salary they're taking on, and they're dumping about $185 million in additional salary from 2019 onward, like, they would actually might even do that. And if you're the Heat, you can maybe get a star for free in that case, but I don't know. I mean, you had the Suns, for example. I, I was just going to throw in, I don't think Pat Riley touches John Wall's contract with a 10-foot pole. I just think I mean he has Dion Waiters. No, and I know, but th- my point is that like the Heat already have so many mediocre to bad contracts that are like tying up their cap space the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. You can dump a couple of them to get Wall, but Wall's contract also runs like two uh, a year or two longer than all those bad ones they already have. And if you're Pat Riley and hoping to like for one more time in your career like sell Miami as a free agency destination and maybe like wait till all these contracts expire in two or three years do you really want like John Wall making 45 million at the back end of that probably not yeah I think that's a good point honestly like I I think they're probably having a lot of buyer's remorse right now about those contracts that they gave out two summers ago you know they, they closed the season on that great 30 and 11 run and I think they felt they owed it to the players on that team yeah. to get them paid Tyler Johnson was definitely owed 40 plus million I mean look now they're kind of stuck here right with these with these bloated contracts for average players and you know they don't have a whole lot of upward mobility so so I'm saying swing for John Wall so but, what, that's one way to look at it is like okay you're getting like a, a high-end talent but then you're also locking yourself into this like really exorbitant long-term contract yeah. where you're going to find yourself basically in the same position a few years down the road and i think they'll have cap room anyway in two years also, john wall was going to take up a huge percentage of the cap but if john wall's a great player which i know he has a talent to be and if you're the heat and you're confident to do that yeah then you know i could see but, it like but then, if you're pat riley and you want to sell the heat as a free agent destination yeah. the next time you do have cap space which will be in a couple of years like is 30-year-old John Wall with, like, deteriorating knees and, like, a history of not getting along with his teammates really going to be the guy that you can sell other free agents on? That's, that's the what... part where Miami really has to be confident that they can take care of that stuff. No, because that's what I was going to say, Will, when, you're, when you guys are talking about, like, you know, getting a high-level talent. Like, and I'm not trying to, like, rail on the whole John Wall's a fraud thing, but seriously, like, at this <laughs> stage of his career, is John Wall that type of talent that you guys are saying he is? Like, I don't think so. Can he be that talent? Maybe, like... Two out of every three games, two out of every four games, maybe for one series, sure, but he's not that talented consistently. Like, you look at the last two seasons since they made the second round um, for the last time. He's played 57, he missed half of last year with injuries. So he's played 57 games over the last two years. He's averaging about 20 points a game on like 42% shooting, but I don't know, man. Like, he's, he's getting worse, he's deteriorating, yeah. he's not the speedball he once was. And that contract takes him until he's like 34. I, the one thing I would say is, uh, by the way, John Wall has a 15% trade kicker, which uh, I think in this case, he's going to have to negotiate that down. And in order to do that, 
my or uh, Washington's gonna have to actually work with John Wall to you know send him to a destination he likes so that he's willing to you know negotiate down. And I feel like Miami or even Phoenix, like the one that uh, that Wolfon suggested, I think those are destinations where I think John might be like, well, you know, if Washington's done with me, then I might as well go to a nicer city in terms of weather. And uh, I don't know if the off, also if the off court uh, reports are true about Wall, I feel like my, Miami would be a nice place too as well. Um, or the worst place in the world. Well, <laughs> you know, he's already got the guaranteed money, so how bad could it really be? Um, what about trading Bradley Bill? I just think that it would be a disaster for the Wizards if they did that. Um, I mean, unless, you know, if they if they could bring back a bounty, which I think they should be able to because the guy, again, is 25 years old and an all-star, you know, squarely in his prime. Um, unless they were able to get a bounty and also move off of Wall and really, like, start again from scratch... I think it would be a disaster, but um, I, I like if they if they are you know committed to trading one of them, then I, I just hope that like they hold out for a really good package for Peel because he's really good, and I, I think you know like he's the kind of guy who I think you put him in a different situation, and I don't think that that wizard stench necessarily follows him there, but. Okay. Um, you know, again, like we can go back to uh, the, the kind of fake trades that we pitched in that piece that we wrote. Um, you had him potentially going to the Lakers, and yeah. the Lakers obviously have a need. Uh, By the way, every it. star is going to the Lakers. The, the <laughs> Lakers have right of first refusal on every star player, okay? Any player that wants to leave always wants to go to Los Angeles. This is apparently the rule in the media. But I think also in this case, the Lakers are a pretty good trade uh, partner because they do have the young guys. Like, I think Ingram, Hart, and expiring salaries like KCP and Rondo. Right help the Wizards sort of offload some money while also um, giving them some prospects going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think getting... I'm, I'm definitely not as high on Ingram as some people seem to be, but I, I do really like Josh Hart, and um, I think both those guys have enough upside that it would be worth their while. Um, those the, those veteran contracts aren't really eligible to be traded until December yeah. 15th, but... They're probably not going to trade these guys that soon, man. I mean, I think yeah, they I mean, have to fire Ernie first. <laughs> <laughs> Their uh, their upcoming schedule, by the way, is a nightmare. Like they their schedule had gotten soft. Yeah. Um, they had like a seven game stretch where they could have made some hay, and instead they went four and three in that stretch. So then they lose to Portland, and now their next six games: Clippers, Raptors, Pelicans, Rockets, Pelicans, Sixers. They're already five and eleven. Yeah, they could be five and seventeen at the end of that stretch. <laughs> and honestly, it, the last thing I'll note too is it's interesting. Like a lot of um these like playoff odds uh, simulations have them out, but the one that still has them in and still has them as high as six, that forty one and forty one, is uh, five thirty eight. Like Carmelo projections because they're the only mm-hmm. ones, at least that I can find, that don't just take into account what the team has done so far this season. They also take like yeah. the roster and the talent and the ceiling. They also take take past performance right. into account. So like. You know, there is, I guess, precedent there for the, the Wizards to look this trash to start a season and, like, at least recover enough to be mediocre. But I don't know, man. The, the funk is just – the stench is too funky this year. You'll put Carmelo on this team. It worked with Paul that would Pierce. Help their, that would help their Carmelo rating. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I, I just um, – it, it's really hard to see, like, a, a deal happening for either guy uh, unless, like, unless they totally botched the Beal thing because I feel like – what they are going to demand in, in return for Beal, or at least what they should demand in return for him, is going to be prohibitive for, like, so many other teams. And, I, like, at this point, if they're going to get off wall, it's got to be something, like, close to a salary dump, right? Like, the deal that I proposed for him going to the Suns was, like, they get 
TJ Warren and they take on Brian Anderson's contract, which is only partially guaranteed for next year. Um, and Elliot Kobo, who's like a, you know, a, a middling prospect, I guess. Sure. I think he's got some upside and he's got a really long wingspan. Like he's an athletic point guard. Best case scenario, he could be John Wall. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> but um, with a better attitude. <laughs> so, and then TJ Warren, who's like a, you know, a good, like, yeah. third option, fourth option. Like he's, he's become a good scorer. He's shooting threes now, which is nice. But I don't think that they, they, they're doing any better than that. And I'd be surprised, honestly, at the Suns bit, even on that kind of a deal. Um, so, yeah, it's just, like, tough to find a destination for him. And um, I don't know. I don't know how they work their way out of this mess, honestly. I mean, I got nothing, guys. I, I've i used so many um, words and rants and on this team over the last couple of years. And, yeah, like, I, you know, I was on record coming into the year. I, mean, I don't think they're that good. I, I thought they'd make the playoffs in the East because it's the East and whatever. But, yeah, you know, they are what they are. They're a middling team at the very... If every single thing breaks right for this team, they're a 45-ish win team that can maybe touch the second round. Um, and when things go wrong, you're seeing what the, the end result is. Like, I just... I don't really see light at the end of the tunnel for them. You can't trade that wall contract, or at least I don't think you can. And like Joe's mentioned, you know, if if you trade Beal because he's like the one you can actually move and like to start a rebuild, then you're just left really at the bottom with like nothing else. And Porter's looked real bad for that contract, which... It's a shame because the guy had made so many strides in in the last couple of years and emerged as like an elite three and D player and I don't know where that's gone. Like, it's it's kind of sad. All right, Cash. So if you were Ted Leonsis, give me a five point plan, a five step plan in terms of what you would do if you were controlling the Wizards to solve this whole mess. Step one is you fire Ernie Grunfeld. Like as okay. much as I've been joking about it for no, real, for real, you got to like, fire this. That's step on. one because you cannot have Ernie Grunfeld in charge of the teardown. Like I've been saying. So step one is you fire Ernie Grunfeld and you immediately start like n- not some mediocre search to bring in some like what you got to start a search to bring in like a top quality executive. You, you're Ted Leones as you can afford it. Pay whoever you have to pay. doesn't matter whether they're a big name or some up and comer, but you got to find the right guy. Okay. Yeah. And Jeez, then- someone, someone who, uh, who could be in charge of a really solid teardown <laughs> who's available right now. Wow. Hasn't had a job in a little while. Oh, David Griffin. No, no, no. <laughs> I was thinking of Sam Hankey. Much but, more radical. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, hey, you know what? Do it. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I guess some of the stuff they're already doing, they're exploring trades for all these guys. But I think I think if you're Leonzas, you do have to be open to the idea of, like, no one on this team should be untouchable, including Beal. Okay. Um, what about Coach? Scott Brooks has to go. Okay. Look, I... I, I the heads are rolling. Yo, man. heads are rolling in my organization when yeah. your organization looks like what the Wizards do, okay? And it's just frauds top to bottom. Scott Brooks, like, I'm not necessarily anti-Scott Brooks, but I've never been a big Scott Brooks guy. I didn't yeah. believe the hype when he was in OKC. I don't believe the hype when he went to Washington. They overpaid him drastically for coaching Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Um, so get rid of Grunfeld, get rid of Brooks, put in an interim uh, head coach or voice of a head coach as the Cavs have done um, and figure that out and then like you, this season's a gong show you punt on it okay you they, look, can, honestly, they have they have a pick they have a pick yeah. you bought them out and you have a chance to get a franchise changer this year like yeah. that's probably the best case scenario for them and then you hope that the new GM finds a coach in the summer and you go forward with some youth keep the sell off of like your high paid guys right now and and you swallow the fact that you're going to rebuild, but you're going to finally do it right. Mm-hmm. And hopefully three or four years from now, you actually have some sort of model of sustainable success instead uh, of fraudulent mediocrity. Last thing for Wolfon. Aside from Bill, who do you keep out of this mess? Like, you make sure you hold on to these guys. 
Because I actually struggle, really, to find anyone other than Beal. Like, Porter is... There's not a single person player, on the roster who you look at and say, like, you yeah. need to keep this guy. Like, Oubre, like... I, I think I, by necessity they hold on to Porter because again, sure. like if if they're trading him, it's going to be a salary dump. Like I, I really like Otto Porter as a player, but yeah, he, he's like Cash said, not played well at all this season, and you know got paid unfortunately. Like you know when the cap spiked and teams basically thought that, like this was going to be the new reality, and it's like you have to pay top dollar to keep your role players. Yeah. Turns out they paid max dollars for Kent Bazemore. It's it's, it's really sad. It's so like I don't know if there's a team out there that's taking on that money uh, unless it's like basically a salary dump. Like I don't know if you would have to attach an asset to get off that contract. I don't think so because I do think Porter's still pretty good. Yeah, but it wouldn't be worth it for the for the Wizards to get rid of him. So I think they're they're kind of stuck with him. Um, and I think Ubre is good enough. Like he's worth yeah. holding on to, but he's also he's coming up for an extension. So. You know, like, what What are they going to be able to get away with paying him? Um, and, I, I, you know, you look at the roster, and it's like there's nobody else who's like, yeah. this is a blue chipper. Like, this is the guy who you can build around in the future. Like, if they get those guys on the roster, those are the guys who are going to come in a potential Beal or Wall trade. It's true. And, um, yeah, it's kind of bleak, man. And I don't know if they even have anything resembling a plan. And that that is the thing that would be worrisome to me if I was a Wizards fan. It's like, what is the plan here? Like, you were saying, like, this seems like the kind of thing you just leak to the media to kind of, like, give the team a kick in the ass. But, like, if, if like, teams start calling and offering stuff, like, do you actually know, like, what the plan is? Like, what you're trying to do here? Yeah, I don't think they do. Uh, I'll ask a question because I know we, we don't know the studio for much longer. But do you guys, you know, what I was talking about, what, like, Richard Jefferson was saying about, um, you know, your first few years forming the rest of your career in terms of, like, the guys you're around, the teammates, your organization. And it, I think it clearly rubbed off on John Wall. Are, would you guys have any concern if you're a team trading for Bradley Beal that he's got some of that stench on him? Uh, I generally give Bradley Beal a pass. And I, I don't know why that is. It just always seemed like Wall was a de facto leader. And I feel like Wall was always an influence on that. But, I mean, it's hard to say, really. But I, I think the only reason that Beal gets more of a pass than Wall is that Beal's game fits much better on most teams more seamlessly than John Wall does. And that's the only reason I think people, you know, don't give Beal as much flack as they do for Wall. Also, I just think Beal's a nicer guy. I don't know. Just yeah, an I impression. I don't have any basis for that aside from the fact that it was like Wall was there first and I feel like he like had a bigger hand in creating the culture that exists there than Beal did and you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be a seamless fit into you know any team system or any team's culture, but um, I think the fact that he fits better on court does make a difference. And I think you know, at the end of the day, like if you're a team that feels like it has a strong culture, then you trust that to absorb a guy, even if he has a history of like disharmony, you know, with a with a previous team that he may have contributed to dysfunction there. Like I think. Um, you trust that like you're going to be able to absorb a guy like that and that like the talent on the court is going to win out well there you go the wizards are a mess um and i think we'll reconvene when the wizards inevitably fire ernie grunfeld but honestly they might not they might just let him rebuild for the fourth time and if they do then i guess we'll still be here for the podcast anyway um for listeners uh there will be another episode of pound the rock this week coming out on thursday where we discuss Basically where, you know, the teams in the East and the teams in the West stand, uh, we're basically going to be about our fifth of the way through the season. And so we'll reassess sort of who's the top of each conference. And uh, 
you know, so come back on Thursday to check that out. And in the meantime, for cash and for Wolf Fund, uh, we're signing out. Pound the Rock.